Well, good morning, Imago Church. Um, For those of you who have not met me before, my name is Greg. I come from Sunrise Community Church, which is the parent church of Imago Church, and I send greeting from them. It's good to see you guys, Um, and happy to be here uh, with you guys. So um, we are going to be jumping into the Gospel of John, and so we're going to be just jumping right into it. We have a lot of text today. Um, And so uh, we're going to be reading from uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21 is where we're going to be. And so uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to that, it might be a little easier to read in front of you and your your Bible than it is on the screen. um, Because like I said, there's a lot of text there. But uh, it's your own choice of what you want to do there. Also, I would... Uh, was told that we did move the kids. They're usually in that back room. We've moved them kind of more central. Um, just so if you hear a little bit of noise, that's what's going on. Uh, so I always think if you hear kids in a church, that's a blessing, right? How sad is a quiet church, right? And so if you hear crying, you hear uh, babies, anything like that, that's signs of life and that's a beautiful thing. And so we celebrate that. So if you hear a screaming kid, just say, thank you, Jesus, right? So... That's what I think. And I got three boys, so that's probably, probably a little, you know, I'm half the problem usually. So and I'm just trying to make a, a spiritual reason why my kids are loud, you know. <laughs> All right, well, let's just jump right into uh, the Gospel of John. All right, this is what it says. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who, is, who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israelite's teacher, said Jesus, and And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who comes from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses... Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever may believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through his Son. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because, of their, deeds were, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light. For fear... 
that their deeds will be exposed. Whoever, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that they may be, so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. A lot of stuff in that. And it's important to understand uh, some context to uh, what we just read. Uh, we're reading the Gospel of John. Now, John is a very unique gospel. Um, the first two, Matthew and Mark, are very similar uh, in the sense that uh, their structure, there's a lot of similarities there. In fact, there's some uh, debate if like, one looked at the other's kind of structure and kind of copied it and kind of shared their perspective on things. Uh, Luke is super uh, important to him that things are in order. He starts from the birth and he goes to the, the cross and he kind of wants this chronological journey along that path of what he's sharing. Uh, John, he's all over the place. He doesn't care about any kind of chronological order. Uh, he's going to, you'll notice that his gospel, more than some, is kind of all sporadic in his stories. So there's some people who don't believe in the Bible, who will challenge the Bible and say, oh, look at, there's, there's controversy here. Look at John's gospel. He has this happening in the very beginning of the Bible or of, of Jesus' story, and, and the rest of them have it at the end. And it's one of those, you're missing the point. John's gospel isn't trying to share a chronological order. He's simply just sharing stories of who Jesus is. He's like trying to share who his best friend is. So he's going to just relate stories on top of one another and try to share the characteristics of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. And so that's what John's really trying to do here. So John's gospel, almost more than uh, some of the other gospels, it's super important to look at the co-text, the text that's around the text that you're reading, uh, and, and see what is John maybe saying here? What's the theme that maybe he started here and he's going to trail through a couple stories and try to help us to understand who Jesus is? So John's gospel, more than some, it's very important to look at what's around this story. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. Let's, let's go a little bit before that, that story of Nicodemus. We'll kind of pause on that story. And I want to go to John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, and relate another story to kind of what's happening here. And that's this. It's actually one of my favorite stories, because I think it blows up this whole idea that we have of Jesus sometimes, which is this like Mr. Rogers view of, of Jesus. Yeah, super nice guy, always wears warm sweaters, you know, always just like someone you wouldn't mind just having a cup of coffee with, just super friendly, uh, you know, probably has a plate of cookies when you come in kind of thing. Like this idea that we have of Jesus sometimes, that he's just like this super friendly guy and, uh, you know, no one could be mad at him. Uh, and I don't know why they crucified him. And then you read stories like we're about to read, and you think, oh, wow, this guy might be a little more dicey than we realize. So let's just jump right into it. It says, uh, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and in the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cord and drove all of them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He, he scattered the coins of the money exchangers, and turned over tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. This is crazy that just happened, right? So this is how I picture it. This is like, this is, you know, I, I, I said this is one of my favorite stories of Jesus. And so this is kind of how I picture it. This is why I like it so much. As I imagine Jesus walks into the temple and he walks in and he looks around 
And maybe this is just my upbringing, um, but maybe not. Have you ever been in so much trouble with your parents that they got that silent anger going on? That's like, you know, I had that one time I threw a house party. My parents were away, threw a big old party, and they came home, and I didn't clean it all up, and they found out, and they got that anger look on their face. It was just like quiet. Usually my mom, stepdad, were never quiet about their anger. They'd yell at me, but they just kind of walked in, and then they just kind of, and I knew, right? Then they disappeared for a moment to go talk, and I was like, they're so angry, they can't even yell at me right now. That's how angry, like, whatever is going to come back right now is going to be 10 times worse than anything I ever expected, right? And so that's kind of that same face that I picture Jesus having right here, where he walks into the temple and just kind of looks around, just gets real quiet, and just goes off into a corner. It starts kind of putting something together. And I imagine the disciples off to the side, like, Jesus, are, are we going to go in? Like, are you good? And he's like, oh, I am anything but good right now. I'll tell you that, you know. And he's like, but we got to go in the temple. He's like, oh, we're going to go into the temple right now. Uh -huh. I mean, we're going we're gonna to go. And so uh, then he goes in, and the guy has a whip in his hands. A whip. He's out there just whoosh, whoosh, clearing out the temple. I mean, there's cattle running out the door. There's sheep. I love this moment because he walks over to tables and he's flipping them and then he goes over to the doves and all of a sudden the doves are just like released and I imagine this like movie-esque moment where like Jesus is walking through with a whip in his hand just whoosh, whoosh, doves flying in front of him you know there's a big explosion behind him no maybe not that but uh, that's kind of how I picture like this very movie-esque moment right and I think it's, it's just crazy because we think wow what is going on with Jesus like he is angry but why is he angry why is this happening? Well, we have to remember what the temple was supposed to be. The temple was supposed to be a place where God and his people would dwell together. This was supposed to be the bridge, the, the time where God and his people could be with one another. They could talk to him. The, he could be there with them. They could feel his presence. It was supposed to be that. And what they had turned it into was just this moment of exchanging some money, doing this like going to church type of thing and then checking it off the list and moving on with our day. It was supposed to be a, a beautiful moment of God with his people and they had basically prostituted it so they could make a few extra bucks. And you wonder why Jesus got so angry. They had missed the mark completely. This was supposed to be about God and his people and they had exchanged it instead for religious things, so they can maybe try to not go to hell and live a blessed life and move on with their selves. We see why maybe Jesus had a lot of passion behind this. And it continues on from there. It says that uh, near the end of it, that they kind of come to him and they say, you know, who, who gave you authority to do this? Give What signs can you, can you give us to prove that you have authority to do this kind of thing? And he quickly responds back to him and he says, I will tear down, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And I love this moment. You'll see this in John a lot, where John almost pulls back for a moment and he kind of then responds to what he just shared with you. And he said, you know, they thought it meant the building, but what he was talking about, it was his body. The fact that he would die and three days later he would rise as our new temple. We didn't get it at the time. I didn't get it at the time. But that's what Jesus was talking about. 
It says then after that that Jesus uh, did miracles and signs with them to prove his authority. But there's something interesting about what it says at the end right there. It says that he didn't trust himself to them. It's almost like God, or that Jesus knew their hearts were evil. That there was something that they, they, they weren't quite trustworthy. That he wasn't going to entrust himself to them. We kind of held back a bit. Which I find interesting. It, it was almost like they were starting, he, he understood that they were wanting the miracles of God, but they didn't want the relationship with God. They wanted God to fix their problems, but no, I don't want you to get involved with my life. And oh man, I, am I the only one who's ever been there? They said, God, I want you to just, just make this problem go away. Please fix this thing. Uh, but, and he says, well, maybe you should change this. No, I don't want to change. I don't want to get connected. I don't want to get close. Just fix this thing and that way I can move on. That's not how God works. God wants you and he wants all of you. And so we have that story and then we move on. We start to understand why maybe Jesus wasn't the most uh, liked person. Uh, the leaders at that time had a major problem, right? Their major problem was the fact that um, there was this Jesus dude, and he was super popular. And he was saying some things that really kind of kept painting them in a bad light. And, and they didn't like that. Well, anyone else, they could have quickly just shut that person out. Well, you go away. You're a heretic. You're evil. You're from Satan. Go away. But Jesus was doing these miracle signs that proved that God was with him, that proved that God was on his side. And so they couldn't just shut him out. They couldn't just ignore God's hand at work. That was their, their sphere of you know, education. They have to interact with someone who's, who's doing that. And so that left them in a hard spot. Which is why we see Nicodemus coming to Jesus and, and he's going to address him in a certain way. He's going to talk to him and say, uh, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. He said, listen, I, I understand. God is with you. You do the miracles. God's with you. But you're saying some things I, I got some questions about. And so Jesus responds to him. And you're going to notice in verse 3, it starts off as very truly, or some uh, uh, translations say truly, truly. Uh, that, that kind of phrasing there is to grab our attention. That Jesus is going to say something in a foundational way. This is a foundational truth that Jesus is going to share with him. And so he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they have been born again. Uh, that 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 word for again, uh, if you translate it, and it, or as you translate it, it can be translated in two different ways. It can be again or from above. So it can be translated either way, again or from above. And so when we read that, we can say, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they have been born from above, is another way that it's translated. And maybe your Bibles translates it that way. It's important for us to understand that because uh, it, it kind of changes, in a way, our thinking. Sometimes we hear a word so often that it doesn't catch us the correct way. And I think, again, kind of does that here. So Nicodemus asks a normal question when uh, someone is faced with a, 
a comment like that. He, he asked for clarification. He says, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answers. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born uh, from above. Uh, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it. Uh, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is breaking down for him or trying to help him understand these things from the earth, right? Um, he's saying, you know, flesh gives birth to flesh. People have babies, right? You see a baby or you hear a baby sometimes. Um, but Jesus says, don't get focused on that part. Instead, pay attention to the effects of how the Spirit works. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And, and, and Nicodemus isn't going to truly understand what that means. So he says, instead of worrying about how that works, look to the effects of it. Look at how the, or where the Spirit's working and see his effects. And so he, he talks about the wind. He says, you know, you don't know how the wind is coming or where it's going, the direction it's turning and why it does that. But you know when you're windy. When you step outside, you'll know right away, is it windy today or not? Because you feel it. You look around. You can see the trees move. You don't even have to be outside. You see a flag flying. Those are signs that the wind is moving. And in that same way, the way that the Spirit works is, is that you don't necessarily know why it moves in certain directions or moves in certain ways, but you can see the effects in people's lives. You can see people who used to go one way in their life and then they commit their lives to Christ and all of a sudden they go a completely different direction. People who used to be crippled by fear all of a sudden overcome fear. People, families who were broken apart, all of a sudden they come to Jesus, they come to, together and all of a sudden Jesus heals that family, that marriage, that situation and everyone is glorifying God. You don't always see the Spirit, but you see the effects of the Spirit. You see the thumbprints of God all over the place. And that's what he's saying. He says, don't worry about the how. Look at, how it, look at what's happening. Pay attention. That's your evidence. So Nicodemus asks another question. He says, how can this be? You are Israelite's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken uh, to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who com came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that, that, what, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Nicodemus, he's not understanding it. And Jesus had just told him, you're not going to understand it until you start to understand who he is, who Jesus is. That if you're not a part of the kingdom of God, this is all going to look foreign to you. And we can say that about today as well. 
How many times have someone looked at you and said, why do you go to church? Why do you call yourself a Christian? Why, why do you link yourself to, to this group? Why do you give money to that organization? Why do you do what you do? And the only way that you can truly justify it is say, Jesus died on the cross for me. And he gave me a new life. And because of that, my whole life looks different. I have no other explanation than him. And so, Jesus doesn't leave him hopeless, though. Doesn't leave Nicodemus just lost in the, uh, you don't know, you won't understand until you understand who I am. He brings up this weird story from Numbers 21, uh, verses 4 through 9, and we're going to turn to it and kind of look at it. And it's this story coming out of... uh, the Israelites, after they were freed from Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land. Um, but the Israelites had a problem. They kept uh, basically not wanting to be saved. Uh, Jesus had, or God had freed them from Egypt. They were slaves there, uh, but they, com- they continue to gripe about their freedom. They don't want to be free. And part of that is because they knew how to be good slaves. They do not know how to be God's people. And so the, there's this natural tendency, even when it's a bad situation, to run to back to the bad situation. Because there's something comfortable about at least knowing what to expect. And so they, they are groaning about the fact that God has saved them. And so that's where we join the story. It says, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die uh, in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this uh, miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord, uh, pray that the Lord will take uh, the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then uh, when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. What a weird story, right? You're like, what is going on? Why did Jesus bring this up, right? Like, the guy's already like, you're not going to get it. Here, by the way, let's throw this random story at you from Numbers. And he's like, what do I do with that? (laughs) Here's, I think, the point. Let's look at this a little deeper. The story is about people who were in sin needing to recognize they needed a Savior. And I think that's 100% what Jesus is getting at with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you don't even understand that you need to be saved. Because you have been bitten not by a poisonous snake, but by something worse, by the sin of your life. You're poisoned by sin and you don't even recognize it. And you need to turn and turn, not, look, not to look at a snake on a pole, but to turn to look at the Son of Man lifted up on a pole, which he's foreshadowing his own death on a cross. And until you understand who that man is, Nicodemus, you're not going to understand how to get the antidote to what you got. The sin problem that you have in your life will only be uh, taken care of when you commit yourself to Jesus, when you're saved by Him. John again pulls back. 
And for his readers, he's going to share the gospel at this moment because he wants to make sure we don't get, miss it. That's John 3.16, very famous, right? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. John wants his readers to understand that we are all like Nicodemus. We are all poisoned with sin in our life. And the thing is, is we're constantly getting bitten. I, I think it's interesting in numbers, just to go back for a moment, that it doesn't say that just all of a sudden all the snakes disappeared. And then, like, in that moment, everyone who had been bitten looked up to it, were healed and done. It says that it just kind of stayed there. And if people got bit later off in life, if they got bit by a snake, they could look to the, 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 um, the pole of the snake, and they wouldn't die. So it means that this was a continual thing. And I think that 100% with us. You know, when we go through life, sometimes we're going to recognize that we have sin in our life. And we need to look to Jesus. And, that we, and he saves us and he, and he redeems us at that moment. And sometimes we wander again. We get distracted. And we need to, again, look our gaze to Jesus. Not because he needs to be crucified again. Not because we need to be saved again. But because we need to be reminded. Kind of what Danny was saying earlier. It's about reminding us. It's about us being refreshed and be reminded of who Jesus is and what he has done in our life. John continues, it says, the verdict, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So here's the question, Imago. Where are you living? Where have you been living the last couple weeks, the last month, this last year? Have you been living in the light, going towards God, just moving forward? You're growing leaps and bounds. If that's so awesome, praise God. Maybe you look at the kind of, you know, it's that time of year where we're looking at our past year and we're kind of taking account of what things have done and how we've grown Maybe it's not been the best year. Maybe 2021 was a rough one. And for that, we can repent and say, God, redeem this next year. Help me turn a new way. Help me grow in new ways. Maybe, if we're honest, we're all probably more in the middle. More of a gray area. Where there are moments in our life where we've grown leaps and bounds and we've been shining God's brightness all around us and there's been other times that maybe we've kind of wanted to take the reins and do our own thing. The question is, is how do we progress? How do we move forward from that moment? How can we look at 2022 and say, God, we want this year to be a year that we remember because you moved in mighty ways in our own life. I, I think that's the call from this. You know, as we look at the theme of John, as kind of we like I said, the cotex and all that, from him clearing out the temple, from him meeting one on with uh, Nicodemus, we see that Jesus is passionate 
about meeting us wherever we're at. He's passionate about getting connected to his people. And he will do that in any way that he possibly can, from clearing out a whole temple full of people and animals to meeting one-on-one with Nicodemus and helping him try to get it. He'll do that exact same thing with each one of us. Whatever it takes, he wants to move you closer to him. And that should be all of our goals for 2022, is how can I walk towards Jesus more than I walk away from him? How can I move closer to him this next year and shine his light and his love more brightly in my life? How can I let him have more ownership of my life? And oh man, when, when God's people start to do that, man, things change all over the place. What it looks like when a, a church just comes alive with people who get intentional about their walk with God. It can change a city. It can change a state. God uses sometimes the least of things in the world to do the greatest things. And so I hope that you never look around and say, well, we're not that big of a church. Well, that's perfect. Because how much can God be glorified in that? Oh, the big church didn't do much, but this church moved mountains, helped neighborhoods, it it changed the way a school worked, it did whatever God may be calling Imago Church to be doing. Man, to gain dreams, to gain vision, that's exciting. And the more that we can highlight God in this next year. And so that's my challenge to you guys. As we get ready to sing this next song, my hope is that we can get intentional with our walk towards Jesus. And whatever that may be for you, for some of you, that might simply just be reading your Bible more often, getting more grounded into his word. But here's my challenge. Don't just say that. It's such an easy thing. That's just like me saying, I'm going to go to the gym. Okay, when? I don't know. <laughs> All right? you know, it's a, okay, reading God's word. When are you going to do that? Put some teeth to it. You know, during this next song, maybe you pull out your calendar. You pull out the reminders and you say, I'm going to do it at this time each and every day. And even when I miss it sometimes, then I know the next day that alarm is going to go off again to remind me. How beautiful it is that we get each and every morning to try again, to follow God more, to grow in Him. That's the beauty and the blessing of each and every day. That's why we're thankful each morning. God, thank you for today. Help me to walk closer to you today than I did yesterday. So maybe it's reading the Bible. Maybe it's coming to this midweek uh, thing for the men and women. Maybe you need to get more connected here at Imago, and that's going to help you grow. And so make commitment. Look at your calendar. Block that off in your, your schedule. I'm going to be here each and every Wednesday. When the doors are open, I'm here. Maybe it's serving in a different way here at Imago. It's getting connected and serving and, and, and bringing uh, maybe a new ministry to this, this church. I don't know. Dream dreams. Get vision. Follow God into that. How exciting this year could be to see this church explode in new ways. Oh, man, I think you are poised to be that. To have that. Why not? Is God too small? Is he not powerful enough? Well, quite the opposite. So get dreams. Find that vision. Follow it. Get intentional with it. Man, I think God's going to do some amazing things. Amen? All right, let's pray. And I'll get out of God's way. God, I thank you so much for everything that you have for us, that you meet us where we're at, whether we're in the temple surrounded by animals and you challenge us and you call us out to it because you want to have a relationship with us or, or we want to just quietly meet you in the dark, one-on-one, and you meet with us there too. 
Whatever it takes, God, you're there to connect with us. You're passionate about getting involved in our lives, God. And I pray that you would help us to have shameless faith that would be willing to go wherever you're at to say yes to you, to, to move when you call us. And God, I just pray that you would help us to start to see your evidence all throughout our lives. You'd help us to see the places that you're working, God, for those people who uh, used to be afraid, used to have, be consumed with fear, all of a sudden living boldly for you. For those people who used to be crippled by other people's words and, and need their, their acceptance, God, that they don't need that anymore because they have your word and they have your acceptance. God, for those people who are just coming from broken homes and broken situations, all of a sudden being able to be restored and bring restoration to their family because you have adopted them into your family and now they know what a functional family looks like. God, we praise you and we thank you for everything that you've done this last year, for the times you've had patience for us, the times that you've, you've uh, held on and just said, we'll get to you. We'll get to that, don't worry. And how this next year in 2022, you're going to blow the doors wide open in our lives as we continue to say yes to you. God, I thank you that this isn't just a, a new year, new me. It's simply a response to the fact that you have already made us a new creation. Help us live in light of your work, Jesus. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen.